0: You're listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Lydia Miller. What an awesome, awesome year it was in 2021 here at Sunnybrook. It honestly was one of my most favorite years here. I got kind of a front row seat as I watched God use all of you to give and serve and love like you never have before. And what a cool way to end the year with Christmas Eve right here at Sunnybrook. I know many of you joined us. I had the opportunity uh, to kind of stand in the lobby and talk to you and meet some of you for the very first time. And I really was blown away by how many of you are a part of our church family. Those of you who drive all the way from Laurel, Sheldon, Spencer, Correctionville, Kansas City, one family, even all the way from Chicago, to be here in person for our Christmas services. And it was so great to celebrate really as just one extended family. Well, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Lydia Miller. I'm one of the people on staff here at Sunnybrook. And I was told that Pastor Jeff is still sulking from the Michigan loss and just emotionally couldn't handle being here this morning. So I get to ring in the new year with you and welcome you to the year 2022. I don't know about you, but I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around the fact that it is 2022. I feel like mentally all of us are still kind of processing 2020 and we kind of just skipped right over 2021. We are officially in the year 2022. And it's funny to me how differently we handle the new year as of late. I feel like we used to really welcome the new year with like these huge parties and celebrations. We would like knock down the door of the new year, so excited for it. And I feel like we've developed some trust issues over the last few years. We walk in like a little timid, like nobody moved too suddenly. Maybe it won't know that we're here. Don't claim this is your year. We're just trying to make it out of this year alive. But no matter how you feel about the new year, no matter how you've been hurt by the year before, there's always something within us that's a little optimistic about the new year, isn't there? It feels like God has kind of imprinted on our souls this ability to really just handle time in just these little bite-sized pieces. We work best in weeks, in months, in years, and there's something about welcoming a new year for us that feels good. It feels like a fresh start. It feels like a clean page. It feels like we can be optimistic that in this new year, things for us could potentially be different. And with this fresh start often comes the New Year's resolution. Now, I don't know what camp you find yourself in in terms of New Year's resolution, but according to my Facebook page, there really are kind of two camps of people. There's either the all-in camp or the all-out camp. And the all-out camp seems to have taken it upon themselves to let those who are all-in know that they're probably just going to be the same person in the new year anyway. But the all-in camp, kind of these eternal optimists, I love them. They are always pushing for new, pushing for better. Even if things didn't work out last year, they are pushing to be better and to be different. And as I've been thinking about New Year's resolutions, I would find that I don't really know what camp I necessarily fall into. I don't know if I'm all-in on New Year's resolutions or all-out But I have been thinking a lot about this new year, because it feels like this is potentially the first year in a while where we can kind of be intentional about what we're going to do next. feels like 2020 was kind of just a hot mess. 2021 was dealing with the hot mess of 2020, and this feels like the first year where we have the time and the space to really be intentional about what we want, intentional about what God might be calling us to do, how he might be calling us to change. So today I want to do that as a church, to take sort of this collective deep breath and figure out what it is that God might be calling us to, how he might be calling us to be different in this new year. Now, no matter where you sit with New Year's resolutions, if you're someone that's like, I don't want to sit through this, I don't want to be better or different, I kind of got things figured out, I want to remind you that the whole idea behind a New Year's resolution really is biblical. The whole idea of being intentional, of taking time to sit down and figure out what it is God wants for you in this new year can be found in Scripture. We find this wisdom in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 17, 24, when it says this. It says, An intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. Many of us have been fools in the last couple years, necessarily so. We've kind of been running around with chickens with our heads cut off, just praying we don't have to homeschool our kids again or share an at-home workspace with our spouse again. But this feels like a year where we can be an intelligent person and aim at wise actions. So that's what I want to do together today. Not set resolutions, but set aim. To ask God a really specific question, a really important question. God, how can I make 2022 better than 2021? God, how can I make myself more like you? How can I be more on mission for what you want in my family and in my life in 2022 than I did in 2021? I don't know what 2021 was like for you. For some of you, it's pretty easy for you to make this next year better because 2021 was not your favorite year. Things didn't go well for you. Maybe it was a year of disappointment, a year of loss. Maybe you're walking into this new year without someone that you thought was going to be by your side. Or maybe this last year was a year that you just kind of existed. You just kind of put one foot in front of the other. Or maybe it was a year of growth. No matter what this year looked like for you, there is always a step forward. There is always a step that you can take to be more like Jesus, more on mission, to do more things better for Christ in the new year than you did the year before. So as a church, we're going to take a look at that today, and we're going to kind of take a look at it in two separate parts. We're going to take a look first at what needs to shift, what needs to change in our attitude, how we perceive things, how we go about things from a biblical perspective, and then we're going to take a look externally at maybe what goals we can set looking at the life of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to hang our hats at the end of today in Luke 2. Luke 2, 52, actually the very end of it. So you want to flip to that section you can. We're going to be kind of all over Scripture as we look at biblical truths today, but we're going to end there taking a look at the life of Jesus. But before we do that, I want to take a look at our attitudes. Our attitudes when it comes to how we approach life, our attitudes when it comes to when we want to see change within ourselves or see change within the life that we live. And I want to look at four different things found in Scripture that you and I maybe need to be doing differently in our lives. Maybe one of them will ring true for you, maybe all four of them will ring true for you, but I truly believe these are four ways that we consistently struggle to shift our thinking and think the way that God is calling us to think. First one we're going to look at is going to be this. The first thing that you and I need to do if we want to see intentional change in this new year, if we want to intentionally be more like Christ, we need to assume responsibility for our lives. We need to assume responsibility for where we're at and what we have going on in our lives. Now, this is a really difficult thing to do, especially as of late. We seem to be a society that kind of struggles with this lack of ownership over our own consequences. I think that my generation is mostly to blame, so collectively we apologize. But really, we have a hard time assuming the blame and assuming responsibility for where we might find ourselves. We found that it's a lot easier to point fingers and place blame on someone else or anything else. Blame the teacher. Blame the parent. Blame the circumstances. Blame your upbringing. Blame the government. Blame the media. Blame whoever you can that's not you. When I was in high school, I taught swimming lessons. It was a job that I usually really liked until I met a little boy who never met a rule that he agreed with. And I remember one specific day I was teaching him swimming lessons, and I had multiple kids in class, and he had to sit on the step while I worked with other students. Now, one thing that he consistently did was get off of the step. Now, this was a big deal because he could not yet swim. So if he got off the step and I didn't notice, he would drown. So I would have to hurry over, get him back on the step, and I would look at him and say, you cannot get off the step. And every time I said this to him, he would smack me. I dealt with it in-house for a little while until I eventually decided I had two options. I could let him drown or I could do the Christian thing and tattle. So I called his mother over and I said, listen, he keeps smacking me. Could you have a conversation with him about this? And I'll never forget, she looked at him and then she looked me in the eye and she said, well, what did you do that made him smack you? So I smacked her. No, I'm joking. I didn't smack her. But isn't that so true for our own attitudes? As it sounds really when she says it out loud, isn't that often how we handle the choices we make in life? Well, listen, the only reason I did that is because of this. The only reason I'm not prioritizing my health right now is I'm just way too busy. The only reason I'm not getting up for my quiet time with God is because my kids wake up at 6 a.m. The only reason I'm not putting any work into my marriage right now is because they're not putting any work in either. But the truth we find in Galatians is this is that each and every single one of us is responsible for our own conduct. That means we need to assume responsibility for the choices and the decisions that we are making. We can no longer be accusers and excusers of our own behavior. Well, it's their fault. Well, it's this circumstance. Well, it was my upbringing. And we need to start recognizing that we have the option to choose the direction of our life. Because here's an uncomfortable truth that we need to get more comfortable with. Our choices always determine more than our circumstances. The choices that you make day in and day out, 365 days a year, are always going to determine more about the direction of your life and the direction of your faith, of your relationship with Jesus than your circumstances ever will. So what do you maybe need to look at in your life right now and assume responsibility for? What have you been making excuses for or accusing other people of? When you need to maybe be taking a look at yourself, choosing to assume responsibility so that you and God together can take a look at how things can be different for you. Start with assuming responsibility and then next, believe that you can actually change. I feel like this is a really hard one. One of the reasons I think most New Year's resolutions or intentions don't necessarily work out is because that we have in our mind and in the rearview mirror a smattering of all of our failed attempts. I've tried to lose weight before, I've tried to have a quiet time, I've tried to make my bed every day, and about two weeks in, we're just throwing our pillows back on the bed and calling it good. But the problem for many of us is not what we set out, not what we intend to do, but it's who we are leaving behind. We have to recognize that we often start our New Year's resolutions kind of like the little engine that could. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can do this, and most of the time we can for a couple weeks. But eventually we realize our human nature takes over, our sinful nature takes over, and we feel defeated because we just can't quite figure it out. But recognize that when you do that, you are leaving out the most integral part of the equation. When you don't include God in what your intentions are, what your goals are, what your ambitions are, you are leaving him behind in the unmatched strength that comes with him. The Bible is filled with stories of people who were able to do things not in their own strength, but through the strength of God. When I was younger, my parents had me memorize a verse that I'm sure you have heard before. It's Philippians 4.13. And it simply says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But as I've gotten older, I have recognized that this verse is more than just a nice bumper sticker or some cool encouraging words that you can get tattooed on your arm. There is deep truth found within these words. If you read the stories in Scripture, God often uses people that had no chance, no shot of doing it on their own or in their own power, humble people. When God first chooses to save Israel, he uses a man named Moses. He comes to Moses and says, listen, Moses, I want to use you to save my people. And Moses does what we do, gives a list of excuses. God, I'm a murderer on the run. I'm feeding sheep right now. I have a stutter. There is no way that I can be your spokesperson. God says, Moses, I know, but you can do it with me. With the power in my strength that I'm going to give you, we're going to do this together. Choose to do this with me. God comes to a man named Gideon. He says, Gideon, listen, my people are under captivity. The enemy is taking over, and I want to use you to set them free. Gideon says, God, I am the youngest child in the poorest family, in the smallest village. There is no way I'm going to be able to do something like this. And God says, listen, Gideon, I know, but in my strength, you can do this. God comes to a man or a kid really named Jeremiah He says, Jeremiah, listen, I want to use you as my teacher, as my preacher. I want to use you as the spokesperson for me to my nation. And Jeremiah says, me? I'm Mr. Depression. I'm always down in a funk, and I'm a teenager. God used a depressed teenager to save his nation. He can do anything. And this power from God hasn't gone anywhere feels like sometimes we think that maybe this power is just reserved for people in the Bible, reserved for people that lived through different times, but this power of God is still available and promised to you. That when you set out in this new year, when you set out to make your marriage better, when you set out to have a better relationship with God, it often feels like that maybe God is against us or at least not with us in this situation. Like we have to prove ourselves to God. We have to prove that we care about him enough to wake up and have a morning quiet time. But the opposite is true. God would love nothing more than to walk into this new year arm in arm with you and the goals and the intentions that you have for yourself. No one wants you to prioritize and value your marriage and your family more than God. No one would love to wake up every morning with you and have a conversation, an intentional conversation with you in your quiet time than God. Believe that you can actually change. Believe that things in your life can be different, not on your own strength but through the strength that is promised to you through Christ. Assume responsibility for where you're at. Believe that you can actually change. And this is the part we're not very good at. Clarify what it is that you really want. I think sometimes we're good at sitting down and figuring out maybe what's important to us in life. This is what I value, God. This is what I believe is important to me. But we're not very good at sitting down and being really intentional about what it is that we want and then what in our lives actually needs to change. And I don't know about you, but if I'm not intentional in the beginning, the busier life gets, the harder it is for me to actually be intentional, to bring about the changes in my life that I really want to see. In America, I feel like this is the evil one's easiest way to get us off mission and get us off intention towards Christ is just the busyness of life. I remember I was in one of these particularly busy seasons, trying to juggle working and being a mom and going to school and relationships and all the things that we all have, trying to keep all the balls in the air that I was juggling. And I ran across this article. It's an article that talked about the juggling act of life. I thought about learning to juggle for you as I gave you this illustration like two minutes and I decided it was not worth it. So just imagine I'm juggling right now. But the article said this. says so on any given day, you and I are juggling 47 different things. Activities, cleaning, cooking, schoolwork, family, relationships, faith, you name it. And inevitably, in the juggling act of life, every single day, one ball is going to be dropped. But then the article said this. Some of the things that you're juggling are made of plastic. They can be dropped and bounced back, no harm done. But we need to recognize that there are things in our life that are made of glass. Things that when we drop them, they are going to shatter and be much more difficult to put back together. Your relationship with your kids, your marriage, your walk with Christ. Christ. So this morning, as you clarify what it is you really want in this new year, can you ask God this question? God, what in my life is made of glass? God, what in my life am I juggling that I need to do everything I can in this new year to protect it? What have you given me that I need to be intentional with? What have you given me that maybe I have dropped and shattered in this last year that I need to do a better job of letting the plastic things in my life fall by the wayside so I can keep this intact? And as you ask God that question, ask him this one along with it, then God, what needs to change? If this shattered in this last year, if I didn't do a good job protecting this in my life last year, what in my behavior needs to change? What about the way that I'm doing things needs to be different? Then lastly, this is the hardest one, honestly, don't wait to begin. If you're someone like me, a diet can't start on any other day of the week but Monday, Tomorrow is Monday. It's a new year. Don't wait to begin. We are known for kind of having this excuse of when things settle down, when I'm not as busy as I am anymore, when things at work kind of slow down, I'm going to be more intentional about my relationship with my kids. Can I tell you something? Things never settle down, do they? We find this wisdom in Ecclesiastes that says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. In the original, it actually talks about farmers. It says, if farmers waited for the skies to clear, they would never harvest, they would never plant. Don't wait. Don't wait for things to settle down. Don't wait for things to be perfect. We must learn to enjoy life in imperfect conditions together. As you consider these four attitude shifts that need to happen, maybe there are some conversations you need to have with God. God, what should I assume responsibility for? God, where am I not believing that you are alongside me in this? God, maybe where do I need to clarify what exactly it is that needs to change in my life? If you're sitting in here feeling kind of jazzed up and excited to go out and be different in this new year, let me sober you and remind you that only about 9% of people get to the end of the year with their resolutions still intact. So I wanna give you a leg up as we close together. I wanna take a look at the life of Jesus. Because we recognize and we know that the goal of the Christian life is to be more like Jesus. So what did Jesus do? When Jesus was working to grow and to be ready for ministry, what exactly did he focus on? What exactly did he look at and accomplish to make sure that he was ready to go for what it was that God had called him to do? We find it in this short, beautiful little verse in Luke 2. We read a lot of Luke 2 with the story of Christmas. We read about Jesus coming as a baby. Then it takes us actually in Luke 2 through kind of the adolescence of Jesus and as Jesus is getting ready for ministry. There's this awesome moment where Jesus is like a middle schooler and his parents lose him for three days in Luke 2. So middle school parents, if you're struggling, so did Mary and Joseph. But as we get to kind of the end of Jesus' growing up, the end of his kind of development, we find this verse in Luke two fifty two. Short and it's simple, but it is packed with so much wisdom. It says this, And then Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and in favor with men. That as Jesus prepared himself for the ministry, the incredible ministry that he was about to do, he grew in four areas. He grew in wisdom intellectually. He grew in stature physically. He grew in favor with God spiritually, and he grew in favor with men socially. So if you need help coming up with goals, coming up with aspirations of what you want to look at with God in this next year, start here. Start where Jesus did. As you leave today, maybe you go to lunch as a family. Maybe you sit down before bed with your spouse or on your own tonight, and you go through these four areas, and you ask God. You don't go about it alone. You sit down, and you ask God, God, If I'm going to grow like Jesus, if I'm going to grow in wisdom, intellectually, God, in this next year, what do you want me to learn? Maybe it's a number of books you need to read. Maybe you want to get through the whole Bible in a year. Maybe that's what you want to learn. Maybe you want to go back to school, take a class. I promise you, God has something in store for you, something that he wants you to do intellectually to grow in this next year. What is it that he wants you to learn? Then physically, physically. As Jesus grew physically to prepare himself for ministry, what will improve your health in this next year? Don't just consider necessarily working out or losing weight or kind of those constant ones. Maybe it's just getting more sleep. Maybe it's managing your stress better. But what would help you in your health this year is you treat your body like a temple of the Holy Spirit to make your body capable and able to do the ministry that God wants you to do in this next year physically. What will improve your health in this next year? And then spiritually, what will deepen your relationship with God? Not 10 things, one thing. And make it reasonable. Don't set out to sit down and pray five hours every morning. Pastor Jeff doesn't even do that. What is one thing that will deepen your relationship with God in this next year? One thing he wants you to do. And then finally, socially. I don't mean like how many parties can you have. Socially, what will be your ministry to others? As Jesus worked on favor with men, as you work on having favor with the men around you, how can you serve other people in this next year, believers or unbelievers? Know and recognize that any time you serve someone, you are serving God himself. So where might God be calling you to serve other people in this next year? I don't know what 2021 looked like for you, but I do know that 2022 can be a year that you set out with intentions for things to be different intentions for you to tackle things that maybe you haven't tackled before, intentions alongside God for the plans that he has for you in your life. Now, I know we're really good at saying that we know time is short. We're not guaranteed all of our days here on this earth. It's just like a blade of grass, a vapor of air, and then it's gone. We're good at the collective level of acknowledging that but we're not always the best at acknowledging it when it comes to the nitty-gritty detail day by day of our lives. So I want to give you just a little visual this morning as we close. If our lives were to be a 24-hour clock, a 24-hour clock, you're born at midnight, you die at midnight, based on life expectancies, if you are 22 years old this morning, it is 8.20 in the morning. If you are 32 years old, based on life expectancies, it is 11.20 in the morning. If you then go on, if you look, if you are 42 years old, it is 3.20 in the afternoon for you. If you go even higher, if you are 52, it is 6.20 p.m. It's sobering to see as we look at the clock of our lives, it feels like time is kind of ticking down, doesn't it? And collectively, we get that at the big picture, we understand that. But are you living in the day to day like you actually believe it? Like your days here might be numbered. And I don't know what you're walking into this new year, what your attitude is, if you're excited, if you're expectant, if you're hesitant, if you're unsure. But let me remind you of some foundational things God is in control, God is sovereign, God has a plan. God has a plan for you if you have breath in your lungs. There is still more he wants from you. There is still more he's going to do for you. There is still more he's going to accomplish through you if you let him. Can you enter into this new year arm in arm with God, acknowledging that there is a plan for your life, there are intentions for your life, there are things that you can do to be more like Jesus at the end of this year than you were when the year began? We go ahead and close in prayer over that together this morning. Heavenly Father, we recognize and acknowledge that you are in control. And as difficult as it is for us sometimes to wrap our minds around exactly how we can change and be different, let us recognize and acknowledge, God, that this next year is not our year. It's your year. There are things that you want to do in us and through us in this new year, God. Help us to tap into what that is. I pray that each and every one of us would have a conversation with you today, God, about what it is you want for us next. Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to head? What in our lives do you want to be different and to look different? God, we ask your blessing over this coming year, your blessing over the people here, your blessing over this church, that we would live lives and do things that honor and please you, God. We pray this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Go out and have a wonderful week. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast where we talk real life, answer hard questions, and take a deeper, practical look at the topics we talk about on Sunday mornings. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, download the Sunnybrook Church app, or visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.